0: Take a look at your response. Did you come up with the right one? No? What is? we love you out That's very kind. Thank you. Cops here. 1995. You left with five bucks, okay? When you eat this, you're going to lose your mind. Up in here, up in here. Welcome to the Black Sublime Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Haberdashe, a.k.a. AOS White, a.k.a. You can run, but you can't hide. Welcome. Um, well... This week was crazy. <laughs> like, for me, it was... Um... Crazy, so... But like there's stories that I can't tell that I wanna tell, that I wanna give in t- I wanna give the tea, I wanna spill the tea, I wanna, you know, all of that. But my morality doesn't allow me to do that. But at least not now, but just know that there will be a story um eventually about this week in my life. Um I wanted to take this episode to do a couple of things. Um you know, in my own life journey, I wanted to I've been, you know, working on this show and I think I just wanted to talk a bit about my artistry and just what I'm trying to fucking do um musically and why and all of that. And then I want to talk about some another podcast that I've that I am a huge fan of that has been not quite influential but has given or provided raw material for me to sort of cobble together my own wellness um, regimen or whatever. Um, Excuse me, y'all. I'm like, I just had a a shake, like a a veggie shake or like a juice or whatever and it's like giving me a little burp, so my bad, y'all, but y'all know, whatever. So, you know, this week, I decided to write this song that I fucking love. I love the song so far, at least. Like I did the track, I produced the track, and it's kind of upbeat. Well, the percussion, like the drums, are like upbeat, but the chords are relatively somber. Um, but they're not like jazzy or anything like that. They're pretty somber. But it's, you know. It was interesting because I was having a little trouble writing the song, and then some of my experiences this week actually gave me the hook, and I started to think about my show. The well, first I started about my artistic process. You know, there's so many ways of going about writing a song, and for me, I can write a song in all different ways. Like you know, there's always that question: Well, do you start with the beat, and do you, st- or, or do you start with the melody, do you start with the lyrics, and I can start with any of the three, or, you know, like, I, sometimes the melody comes to me, and then I find the words, sometimes the word, most times, I think the words and the melody come together for me, because of the way that I write music, I try to make melodic, um, sorry, the cops are kind of, art right, whatever, um, well, not the cops, but y'all know, um, I try to make melodic choices that serve the word. I mean, I, a lot of my process is really about listening, really, truly listening um, to the word itself, and obeying or, you know, respecting the rhythm that's in the word um, based on like how someone like me says it. You know, it's really funny because on the this is a tangent, but on the concept or like. On the theory or the theme of listening, I didn't realize that I didn't listen to people until I went to Brazil. So a couple of years ago, I went to Brazil by myself, and then I went to Argentina by myself in Uruguay. And I was gone for a while, like probably like two, like two almost three weeks. And when I got back, when I went to Brazil though, I realized that I didn't. I don't speak Portuguese, so. Spoiler. I mean, I don't speak any of it. Like, I don't know any words. Like, I knew Origado, and that was all I got. (laughs) That was all I knew. So I was sitting there like, this is about to be funny as hell, because I don't know shit. And then I, I went there, but I do... I can't understand Spanish. I can speak some Spanish. I can understand some French. I can speak a little bit of French, even less French than Spanish, but whatever. I get there... And I discovered that if I truly listen, like if I listen, 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 like for real, I can understand what they're saying, and not like I got every word or whatever. But I remember once I was talking to this black cab driver, and I was I was like, "Yo," in Spanish, I was telling him that they that I talked to a lot of people here. I was in Rio, talked to a lot of people here. Most of them are white, but they were. Most of them I would call white from an American standpoint, and they were telling me that there's no racism and when I said the word racism in Spanish, and I'm about to fuck this up because I don't know Portuguese, so whatever um I was like, you know racismo like i you know, and I said it, and I wasn't even sure that was the word in Spanish, but I said it because I, you know. Niggas just add O and A to English words and think they're saying a Spanish word. So I was like Racismo. and I couldn't figure out if it was like. <laughs> so I didn't know, but I said it with conviction, and he was like, "What the fuck is that?" Because he didn't know the word. So I was like, "Well, shit, is this not the word in Spanish? Like, whatever." But then I described it in Spanish about like you know having being treated negatively, blah blah blah. And he said uh or like and I was like it's the same word and if I were listen like if I listen to the word if I listen to it I will understand that he is saying racism because the R like that's to get all of my language back but you can kind of if you just really shut the fuck up and he, repeat what you're listening to over and over in your head. So as he's speaking, listen, but then listen again and slow the pace down and, listen, and try to envision it. And like you, translate not in, not just in terms of like translate from language, but you try to imagine what he's saying written down. Like you really listen and listen. Like you can get these languages if you have any sort of background in any other Romance languages. And I was like, you know what? That's interesting because when i listen to somebody that speaks english i'm not really sure I'm, i i listen to probably like most of what they're saying but i think i fill in the blanks just using a weird sort of heuristic process like i know what they're going to say so like if someone says you know uh run of the I know the next thing is mill, like run of the mill, as it's saying. Or, like, I don't have any, I'm probably gonna say money. Like, I just, not that I, like, you know, or whatever, like, I just fill in the blanks. Or, like, you know, I talked to him and we hung out and the was bomb. I'm probably gonna say dick. Like, I fill in these words. And I was like, you know, I mean, I'm choosing important words for the just for shits and giggles, but I'm sure we fill in words. And um yeah, I was a tangent, but I was just like, you know, really truly listening. So when I hear a word like dangerous, because this song is gonna be called Dangerous Things that I was working on. I hear a word called dangerous, or I hear the word dangerous and I try to pick a melody that Obey is the rhythm of dangerous. Like I you know, cause the emphasis is kind of on the first syllable. Like, I don't say dangerous, even though I could, but like the rhythm, I'm probably gonna have Dane like dangerous be like the Dane and Dangerous be a little longer than the other words, maybe higher than the other words. Like, you know, try to really obey the way we say the word dangerous and not like start doing wild shit. Um but regardless, you know, aside from, like, all this, like, technical shit about how I start writing songs or melody, I do feel like there are two different approaches to writing a song. And two different approaches to a lot of things. And, the, like, the to, that define, uh, uh, that stem into relationship, um, you know, any endeavor that you're starting, I'll, I feel like you can start with a plan. Or with an intention about what you want to discuss. So, like, I I wrote this song called um, I Lost My Softness, and I might just call it softness, but softness, the hook came to me while I was asleep, so I had to get up and record it, which annoyed me, but you know, that's how it is. Um, But I knew what I wanted to talk about, I knew that I wanted it to be about falling about having a sexual experience for the first time that was gratifying that was new that was so tremendous not just in terms of like you know dig being bomb but the intimate intimate such that you find strength and weakness living in the same space or at least the feel, the sensation of strength and the sensation of weakness, um, living in the same space in the same moment, and I knew I wanted the song to be about that. So when I started writing the lyrics, I that's what I wanted to do. And then the everything that I did around it was really focused on lifting up that message. So there's not really any drums. Like it's a it's a slow song that's like dramatic in effect, and. When so like there's that approach. And like it's funny because I remember Nikki Minaj was talking about how when she first started rapping, like at least first started like on her first album, she would sit down and think about what she wanted to say and write it. And then find lyrics, find, you know, that the skill type of homework way. And then she was saying a lot of the people just kind of go in, listen to it be and try to catch a vibe. And if they catch a vibe, then they might let that vibe live, and I feel like that is the second approach where you just go based on feeling, you know what do you feel when you hear this beat?" And you know, you write to that, and then you think, "Oh, what do I feel next? I mean, for me, during this producing songwriting double like the two hats there, well, actually, I'm gonna hold that thought, but yeah, so people like write. You know, they follow their feeling, they catch a vibe, they ad-lib if they want. They just kind of let it go and try to have an authentic, like, organic experience. And, you know, I love those two approaches, but what I find about going based on feeling and going based on gut and intuition, what I find about that approach is, like, it is a harder approach to do authentically with integrity than, you know, than executing your plan, you know? And in my experience, at least, people might feel differently. I feel that way because when you follow your intention and frame and support your intention, for me, at least, there's momentum and there's uh, integrity that's really clearly... Defined. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you break a rule or move outside your intention, it's obvious because you've stated your intention in the beginning. So I've said, you know, for this project, I want seven songs, I want whatever it is, or for this song, I want to convey this. So anytime you don't convey this, you know that you've stepped outside of your intention. And you, when you go back to it, or if you feel like your message hasn't hit your audience, like you know, you can. There's an integrity that's clearly that's clearly measured um, there, and I feel like when you go based on feeling, it's something that you have to really be dialed into yourself. But more than that, you have to commit to doing the work. And creating an environment that fits your feeling, which is a different skill and is much like it requires flexibility. It requires a willingness to do a lot of fucking hard work, for example. Let's say I produce a beat and the beat's a loop, essentially, which most beats these days are loops in pop culture, right? you know, they do a build-up, they produce the most pop, they, you know, produce the most complicated aspect of the song and then the rest of the song or the highest aspect in terms of, like, highest intensity of the song and the rest of the song is just a building up to that moment. They parse things out, but essentially a lot of the rhythms are repeated with some newer old elements. If you do that, And then, so you wear the production hat and you do that, and then you get in there and write a song, but you are going on feeling, and your feeling is complicated. Your feeling isn't just a cute little melody that you, or a cute little lyric idea. Your feeling is about trauma, or or not even just a feeling about subject matter. But what you want to do melodically is next level. Like the first time you did it, you liked where the first or two, first one or two verses. But you have an no idea for the bridge that, like, harmonically is is sick or you know that requires a different chord progression or requires a change of tempo or change of time or that requires like you know some weird shit like some jazz you know type of shit or blue whatever if you feel that for real then you have to be willing to scrap the work that that you did on the loop Right? That the loop can only get you so far. And now you've got to do something completely fucking different. That might take you out of genre. That might take you out of, like, none of the things that you've done. I shouldn't say none. But few of the things that you've done up until the point, you have to be willing to throw that shit out. And to start over or to start anew in the middle of a song. Like, you know, like a song like Sick Mode that everybody loved that I never liked, but a song like that, where it's two distinct melodic or, you know, musical components. Um, like that, you have to be really willing to do that and not be confined to what you're listening to to really be true to your emotion. And I feel like in life, um, a willingness to change your environment, to fit how you feel, is a high ask, a tall order, and something that um, takes a lot of courage, and a lot of people don't do that. When you expand what I was saying to a way, not just making music, but you know, living well, making your life. And following through on intention, which is hard enough. Following through on intention is hard. I'm not saying it's not. It takes sacrifice, discipline, commitment, foresight. Like, it is hard enough to follow through on your intention. But then when you think about, well, shit. Not only do I have to follow through on my intention. I have to commit to making space and changing space to honor how i feel um at at any cost even if the cost is mostly to myself right in terms of the things that you've committed to whether your social circle that you have to change or you know whatever where you live i mean you could have like right now i mean i I'm staying in my house. But, you know, I live in a great apartment. I love my apartment. What if my heart tells me I need to move to another country or move to, you know, another city and, like, I have to give this apartment up? If I gave this apartment up, it would be impossible to find it again. Not the same at the same rate and all of that. So, like, it would be a sacrifice. Um, I also wanted to talk about—oh, I guess I should wrap that up neatly— So, yeah, that's where I'm at in the show. I mean, the show has kind of um, elucidated or, like, pointed, you know, brought to my attention that this duality is living within me um and and that's what this week to be honest has really really done for me it has pointed out duality um reminded me of duality um the dualities that live in me and i think i had a lot of internal conflicts about it that i've sort of resolved but um It's always interesting when your dual forces or those opposing forces or opposing ideologies or frames of thought or whatever um, come to a head emotionally or even in terms of internal dialogue. What I wanted to bridge to and then maybe close with because I did want this one to be short. Um, There's a amazing podcast amazing amazing podcast called therapy for black girls and when i listen to it i'm always like digga like i'm not sure i should be listening to it because you know you y'all know how i am about people and their shit and i feel like you know this is a a, a creation by a black woman Uh, her name is Dr. Joy Harden Bradford. I wanted to make sure I got it right because I'll make names up. Um, and I, in the most recent episode, I think it's the most recent, it's called um, Reimagining Single Life that I wanted to talk about. And the guest on that episode was Dr. Jessica Mormon. Um, yeah, but I feel like, you know, a black woman who is a therapist um, out of Atlanta, she has innovated this work and this work is for black women. So I'm always like, well, it's not for me. She's clearly marketed it for, you know, it's I mean, you can't get more clear than therapy for black girls. And I hate when people use my shit without my permission and and you know without crediting and blah blah blah, which obviously is not what I'm doing because I'm talking about her, but you know, I always feel a little off because I want every community, but particularly black women, to be spoken to in an authentic way and be unbothered, you know, be left to support and uplift each other in a space that is safe without outsiders, you know, I I definitely don't want to intrude. And that's really, you know, a lot of what I feel when I listen to it. But I also acknowledge that as a black queer man, I've always had to cobble together. You know, I've always had to Frankenstein um, and invent. So, not even invent, not even create something new based on pieces of old or other shit. I've had to do both. I've had to cobble together influences and resources and references um, for my own well-being and identity and selfhood. And I've had to build from nothing. So in a world where I had no, no, there was not a reference I can pull from. I've had to invent, you know, and it's like, you know, that's part of being a black queer person. So, I mean, this is, fine you know it's fine and it's publicly available so it's not that deep um but yeah some of that's something i think uh when i listen to it but either way um for any black woman listening to this um i uh, please check the uh, podcast out anybody who's not a black woman listening to this um You know, if you listen to it, I think there's a lot for everyone in it, but I feel like it's important not to be intrusive. So, you know, give credit to when credit's due, should you be inspired to use any of the material. And, you know, just don't be intrusive. but the last episode, they were talking about single, reimagining single life, and it, it really built on another conversation that they had with another doctor. I think her name was Dr. D um, a couple of weeks ago about uh, freedom and relationship and how a lot of people think a relationship as sacrificing some elements of freedom And that got me thinking on my sort of idea about single, singlehood. Well, really about the concept and, you know, to add to their conversation, this was not said in either episode, is that a lot of people feel like deciding to live a deliberately single life or being deliberate about living a single life means you have given up. Um, and that frames I mean this is something that they did mention is that when you say that you kind of frame relationship as the end or marriage or whatever partnership at the end of a, a list of personal achievements and are the culmination so you've got a great career you have are great in your community you got a bag you know All these things, you look good, you're healthy, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, this is for men. For women, a lot of times we expect women to put relationship, partnership above all those things. Like, I just said a whole bunch of shit before partnership at the end. But, you know, the the society society does kind of train women to put relationship before all those things. Um, But regardless, in my case... It's the culmination of a successful life, Uh, a a relationship, partnership, family, etc. So when you deliberately go about living a single life, it feels like, it can feel like, um, you have given up. So listening to the episode that I mentioned, the first one, or the most recent one, and being like, "Yo, you can reimagine a single life where you know that's not something that that you're looking for," and in doing so, you have to be really responsible, though. Like, you have to think about knowing your neighbors, for example. Like, you should know your neighbors because should your power go out or should something happen, someone should know to check on you or to know, like, you do have to really make practical, like, who are your health contacts or, you know, if you travel, like, who can you reach out to in an emergency? Um, You know, who to take advice from, which is probably my favorite part of the episode about advice. Um, You know, she was talking about women receiving advice from, single women receiving advice from, you know, straight men like in the Steve Harvey case from a regardless, from a, um, a myriad of you know, media influences from married people and, it's like, all of this stuff. And it's just, like, you have to be deliberate about the advice that you're consuming because you have decided to deliberately live a single life. And not just that. Like, you... I mean, she didn't make this point about, you know, Steve Harvey telling women what to do. I will make it, though. Um, I feel like, you know... Steve Harvey should mind his business. Just like I feel like I should mind my business. Just like you know, when people give me advice about relationship, I often feel like they should mind their business. Um, you know, I <laughs> I feel like you cannot, you should not give advice if you're willing to, if you're not willing to get your hands dirty on the complicated, sticky. Um, mess that is identity, that is what it is like to be qualitatively this person moving through this earth. So I don't want to give, if you're going to give me advice as a black queer man on relationship, especially if it's unsolicited, you know, or that we're not friends, you should um, think about what it means to be a black queer man like myself with X amount of experience, Relationships, traumas, family, you should think about that before you start giving me advice on things that you don't know about. And similarly, like Steve Harvey, um, giving black women advice as though he knows what it's like to be a black woman um, is crazy to me. But regardless, I was kind of a tangent. Um, Thinking about taking yourself out on dates, you know, filling your life with things that will sustain your joy, um, indefinitely. Um, and just thinking about things like that, I, you know, it kind it moved me because I was already thinking about this. So a couple of weeks ago, I was telling my friend that, yeah, I was literally thinking about, you know, how in the past people have been intimidated about how folk by how full my life was, you know, felt like there was no room for them because I can get whatever I wanted. I could fill my life with things that are beautiful, friends that are great. Like, I don't need you, um, you being a potential lover. And I think that feeling kept certain people, particularly insecure people, which was fine with me, away from a relationship with me. I think so. I kind of chilled out on that, like, or kept things to myself, or I stopped that kind of pursuit. And then a couple weeks ago, I realized, yo, I gotta get back to that because although I'm busy on this show, you know, working on this show has been very isolating in some ways, but I'm working on this show, you know, I could go back to living, like, and now that I'm in such a good place emotionally, like, Imagine the joy that I can create for myself now um, when I was already able to create some aspects of joy in a place where I, when I was working a job that I hated, you know, and I wasn't 60 or 70 hours a week, 75 hours a week of my, you know, week I hated. So if I can create joy in that context, well, imagine what I can do now when, I, when I'm closer to doing what I love, you know. Um but it does, you know, require me to contextualize um, success and what the culmination, what the highest point of joy is um, in a different way and be deliberate and committed to um, feel to this single life and responsible, you know, thinking about financial. Like, what does it mean? I mean, Herb, she made a point, the guest made a point that was like, you know, for and it was for black women, obviously, but... She was saying that, you know, unmarried black women some have fewer or lesser um prospects salary wise and stuff than married black women as some, you know, in certain given like certain class uh factors. And I didn't know that. First of all, I would have thought it was the opposite, but you know, you know, that's because sometimes I just cause I think niggas are trash sometimes. Niggas be on some shit, so I don't trust them. Um, but, you know, regardless, you know, apparently getting married does, um, does, uh, improve your salary process, which I can see now that I'm thinking about it. Like, if you're truly married in a way that, like, you have a real partnership, I can see, like, you know, having support with kids and stuff and health and whatever, but, um, and I guess, you know, just another income, dual income, something like that, but, regardless if you're never going to have a dual income household and you have to financially provide for your for for your well-being 100% for the rest of your life even what that means saving What saving means is even different. Because you have to have emergency funds. You have to have a leisure fund. You got to have a retirement fund. Like, you got to have several funds. um, Because there's no one that will come and help you. And it's okay. But that's just the truth of your life. And I feel like... I feel like there's something beautiful in that... You know, something beautiful and really stepping into the fact that you are going to fully take care of yourself um, forever, you know, and being really responsible for that. I think that there's there could be, and I have to think through this more, and I'm going to close on this point, is, you know, I don't know, as long as you're not closed off, I don't know if there's any negative negative. Uh, that can come from thinking like that. Aside from, I mean, obviously we should still care about community. And, you know, but I, I'm going to think more. I'm going to ponder if there's any negative that can come from that. But, um, I just, this, this episode I just wanted to really share with you, like where I'm at and what I was thinking, um, what I am thinking and what I'm wrestling with or thinking about. So yeah, just have a lovely, lovely week in New York. It's kind of rainy, and Thanksgiving is coming up so I, you know people will be with their families. I will do an episode on Thanksgiving week. I think I, I, I'll let you guys know Ooh, well, yeah, I'll do an episode Thanksgiving Week, but during the holiday season, I am gonna kind of chill out on podcasting. I think I'll take Christmas and New Year's off. but um, yes, I love you all, and I'll see you soon.